Hey guys, welcome in. Gabe DeArmond, Gerard Hamilton here live from the Faroe Field Memorial Stadium Press Box. Missouri, a 34-17 winner over Abilene Christian in uh, a game that happened. That's that's really about what we've got to say about it. This is the 573 Tees post-game report. Uh, again, game ended about an hour ago. We are coming live to you from the press box. 573 Tees is going to sponsor this show for us every single week. Check them out. Just saw right before the game, actually, uh, they tweeted out a new shirt design. Got all kinds of stuff. They can do custom designs. They do NIL shirts. If you want one shirt, you can get it. I actually just placed an order with 573 Tees for my Idaho State Ed Chang shirt that I've been dreaming of for like ever since Ed Chang landed at a place. I'm going to get that next week. They made some Power Mizzou stuff for us. They can do bulk orders, anything you want. 573Ts.com downtown in Alley A between 9th and 10th Street. That's just about a half block off of Broadway, downtown Columbia. So, um, Gerard, I, I want to get your first impressions to this game. Also want to invite you guys watching. Comments, questions, put them up. We'll get to them. We just kind of start with with our thoughts and then, then we'll get to yours. Uh, the only word I came up with, I've written a lot of my column, and I said this game was acceptable. That's about as close as I could get to a description. It's all right. I mean, we've said pretty much all week this game is something that you can only really learn negatives about. There isn't too many. There is a couple positives, but there's not a lot of positives you can take away from being the FCS team at home. I mean – it was okay. Uh, right. You would have liked for it to be a little bit more dominant, but it, it'll it'll be good enough. Brady Cook, like he should throw for 292 yards and three touchdowns against an FCS team. He actually should do it without having to play the fourth quarter. Dominic Lovett should have 132 yards and two touchdowns receiving. Um, so, so yeah, like you said, the positives are things that you expect coming in. So if we find anything out about this team in a game like this, it's not good. So give me, I, I haven't read the comments. I have a feeling our comments are going to be almost entirely negative coming out of this game. But give me the one thing that you think coming out of this game, oh, no, that might be a problem next week at Auburn. I'm between, I don't know if I should say push the, the yellow caution button or the panic button on this offensive line. This offensive line is it's not great. What was it? They had six penalties on offense, and five of them were by the offensive line. Brady Cook almost got folded in half on that strip sack going up the line, and I think it was just miscommunication. I think they got tangled up between Lou Griffin and, and Connor Tolson, but regardless, he got hit hard. He fumbled. It, it resulted in a touchdown for, for Abilene Christian. That offensive line, you would think that this is the game they would have their field day. This is the game where they'd have built that confidence up in the run game. Get, I mean, Brady Cook had a great game, but this offensive line, it it makes you wonder, for one, how long can Brady Cook stay upright? And two, can they really compete in the SEC? Yeah, it, it, that to me is the takeaway, is the offensive line. And, I mean, Drinkwitz, I just asked him flat out how big a concern it is, is it, and he said, we got to figure out who our best five guys are. And I, I think the bigger concern than – who are the best five is do they have five that are good enough to win in this league? Um, and here's what being a division one quarterback is asked about the offensive line. Brady cook said, those guys did great today. That's what being a division one quarterback is. That's lying to protect your teammates, right? Because if I was Brady cook and I was standing up there answering that question, I would say, 
did you see that hit where my soul left my body on the two-yard line? Like, guys, I'm lucky I can stand up here playing behind that offensive line. It was I, – I mean, flat out – and the problem is that's where everything starts on offense. I don't care if you have Luther Burden and Don Lovett. I don't care if you have a dominant running game – or running back, which Missouri, by the way, I don't think does. I, I don't care how good your quarterback is. If, he, if they don't have time – nothing else matters and so like point number one on this offense is the biggest problem and that's where we're at right now would you say caution button or a red panic button i, I said caution first half but by the time i got to that i don't know if i put in my end of the end thoughts panic button but it's it's one or the other I would have my finger lingering over the panic uh, button we're, we're, we're like this yeah yeah <laughs> something like that um i look I don't press a panic button in week three very often. We're a quarter of the way through the season. So that's the only reason I'm not pressing it. But here's the reason I am pressing it. Two of the three worst defenses they're going to play are already in the books. Like this was not a good defense and not a good defensive line that they faced today. They couldn't run the ball. They averaged less than four yards a carry when you take away Brady Cook's rushing yardage. And I mean, this is an FCS team. They play Auburn next week. I don't care if this is a great Auburn team. They got some dudes up front. Every guy on Auburn's three deep would start on the defensive line for Abilene Christian. And I don't I, I don't know where the answers are. You're not hitting the transfer portal for three offensive linemen this week. I don't know if there are, there are answers, but I do know that every position group looked bad there was not one person where i said they did because either it was a holding or they gave up you know a tackle for loss or they they were part of that uh cook fumble you know for a touchdown they're, that offensive line it needs some work it needs i think what they should start doing is they're going to have to start using the running backs to help chip more often and mm -hmm. you know they're, they're going to have to waste the, a, a position player on doing that I, I actually thought about that because, uh, look, you and I are both Chiefs fans and we watched the game Thursday night, right? And first half, Joey Bosa is just manhandling the Chiefs offensive line. And the second half, the Chiefs were better. And Mahomes said after the game, he said, we were using players, you know, we were using some tight ends and some some running backs to help. That's what Missouri's going to have to do because if they just go five on four or five on five against most of these SEC defensive lines, it's not going to work because here's my biggest concern. I mean, we said last week, I think Missouri has one above average offensive SEC offensive line, and that's Javon Foster. But my concern here, and I'm not even worried about the holding penalty against CJ and Doma Ogar, whatever, that doesn't matter. It was, you know, second string, four minutes left. But they had four offensive linemen or three offensive linemen combined for four holding penalties. And Luke Griffin, who didn't have one, was part of the issue on that sack. So basically, you can go everywhere on that offensive line and find a problem. And so it's not like he can say, well, my left side's pretty good. I'm just going to lean more there and put a tight end on the right side. Or, you know, hey, I know I have these two guys. I don't know what he has up front. I mean, like like I said, I don't care who his best five are so much as I'm not sure his five best are good enough. Yeah, well, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. The, the tight end group is they're getting cardio. Well, if they're getting cardio, then you need to add them into the pass protection. You need to do something there to have – to give Cook some more time because it – it's one thing if a quarterback is holding the ball too too long, you know, see Russell Wilson for that. But it's another thing if he doesn't have the chance to even look at his reads. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Eric Hobbs and a few other people in the comments have brought this up and said, it, it, and I, I'm not sure on this, but is there anything they can do play calling wise, scheme wise to kind of make up for the, the fact that they don't have the offensive line? And I, I mean, yes, there is. Like you said, you can you can bring a tight end in. You can have a running back help in pass protection. You can run shorter routes, all that. But ultimately, there comes a time in almost every SEC football game where you've got to be able to hand the ball off and know you can get two or three yards. I don't know if Missouri knows that right now. No, and and it, that seems like an easy you know suggestion, but when you think about it, especially when you're facing SEC defense, any defense for one is wants to keep you in front of them. And when you're facing SEC defenses, there's only so many times or so many games that you can get off of drag routes, quick slants, screen passes. You know, that's not going to be a thing you can do throughout the season and expect victories. And here's what and I just thought of this, and I don't think we really talked about it at the time, but one of the biggest concerns for me in this game, Missouri had a fourth and one at midfield. Fourth and one against Abilene Christian. You should be able to line up and quarterback sneak that ball and know you're getting it, right? They try to draw Abilene Christian offsides, and then they end up taking a delay in punting. That tells me that what we're seeing is what Eli Drinkwitz is seeing. He's not confident he has a line that can get a yard against Abilene Christian. That's a problem. Oh, that's a huge problem. Yeah, that was the first thing I was noticing. I mean, were they over the 50 or were they around the 50? I forgot what you said. Right they were right about midfield, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for one, the way Abilene Christian was set up, I've seen holes where it's just like if Brady Cook just hikes the ball and just jumps over. It wasn't like they had six or seven people on the line either. Like mm -hmm. they had it, they had a motion. I, don't, I think it was Mookie Cooper or somebody. If they would have hiked it and gave it to that person, they had the edge. So it's – and they've done this every game where they try to draw somebody off sides, and it's just so predictable when they're going to do that, and it's so predictable when they're going to do the little halfback dive to Schrader. It's always Schrader. Yep. And look, if, you, if you're facing K-State, if you're at Auburn next week and you have fourth and one at midfield in a one-score game, I understand punting then. I'm not completely against punting on fourth and one from midfield. But in this game, we talked about it at the time. Okay, what's the worst that happens? You don't get it and Abilene Christian picks up like nine yards. That, that was not an offensive team that was going to score a touchdown against Missouri starters. So find out if your team can do it. Um, you know, but again, that's a that's a, a coach that I think doesn't have a lot of confidence um, in, in his front five, and, and frankly, I get why he doesn't. He, he probably shouldn't. Um, I, so I know we started off negative, and look, there are there are things to be concerned about. We're not going to try to whitewash a 34-17 win over Abilene Christian. Is something you guys should be excited about. But Gerard, give me a thing or two that that you come out of today saying I like that. That that was a good thing to see. Well, I'm gonna give I'm gonna select the other one because I know where you're gonna go. So mine okay. is going to be Dominic Lovett opening up the game. Like, he's been the best receiver yes. for this team all three games. He's the leading – I think he's led in receptions and yards all three games. If they can get him going, you know, in this slot, that's opening things up everywhere. You guys want the quicker passes and to, you know, get the ball out quicker, he can do that. And then him being able to make these plays over the top of the defense – like that can give Brady Cook confidence. That can give Drink confidence and Cook to make these type of plays. So I think for me, it's Dominic Lovett in, in his play this season. Okay, well I know where you think I was going to go with that, so I'm intentionally going to not go there, and we'll talk about we'll talk about him in just a minute. Um, but to me, uh, look, this is not a dominant defense, but this is the third straight week Missouri's defense has done enough 
to keep them, you know, either in a game or to win a game for them when the offense hasn't been great. Week one, defense was plenty good. Not, It's not as good as people thought it was that Friday morning after the LaTeX game, but it was plenty good to win the game. The offense helped out. K-State, it wasn't great, but it did keep Missouri in the game. It fought off a bunch of short fields and all that. And today, it when the offense is kind of sputtering and not really doing much, the defense basically said, I mean, look, guys, we got 17. It's enough. We'll win this game with 17 if we have to. Uh, Chad Bailey had a had a forced fumble and a recovery. I thought the play of the day really, at least defensively, was Ennis Rakestraw while being engaged with a blocker, making a one-handed interception. Uh, and, and, like, I didn't tweet this out, but I, I did like Ennis's quote when, when we asked him about it. He kind of went through the play and he just said, that was some great stuff I did, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I liked that. It was pretty great. I, I was pretty impressed. Um, but okay, so so defense good enough, I think today. Love it. Obviously, a bright spot and and a kid that I, I hope we get to talk to a lot more. Showed a lot of personality. But I mean, the story of this game kind of was the first play, right? And and I think or not first play, but first time anybody from Missouri touched the ball. You can go positive, and you can also go negative on that because you can go, oh, hey, Luther Burden picked up a punt, 178 yards for a touchdown on his first punt return of the season. And then you can also go, which I think we all are, yo, it's week three. Why was that his first punt return of the season, man? Like, why did we wait this long? Yeah, part of uh, – and I asked you this during the game, was it, it was Drink just doing this to see, like to to say, oh, I, got a, I got KAD doing this. And I'm going to be a genius doing this way because now we can do KAD doing this and I have to risk Luther getting hurt, which it seemed like he was a little shooken up. Which he almost did, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, was it the second or third punt? Was yeah. it around the, the neck or something like that where he, he was out a few possessions? But, I mean, yeah, he's the he's the talk of the of the game, not just for punt returning, but they, they actually targeted him the amount that he should be targeted every week going forward. Yeah, and that was a, that was a clear, like – Look, everybody, you were right. We got to get him the ball more. We're going to find ways to do it. And, and so, 100%, everybody that said that all week was right. Um, so, uh, I'm curious, you know, when we asked Drinkwitz about it, he said, well, he didn't field the punt. He picked it up. And the one thing we have heard from people is Luther did that a lot in high school. He picked punts up off the bounce, and, and people think that's a big concern. But, I mean, he caught two or three punts in the air. It's not like he can't do it. It's not his fault if the punter can't get the ball within 15 yards of him in the air. Yeah, and and the punt returning out for a touchdown, I mean, like it bounced, what, 10, 15 yards? Like it bounced to him. It wasn't mm-hmm. like i rather, if it was me, if I was a coach or if I was a fan, that it bounces to me instead of running up there where you're going to – first off, you're running up there and you got to try not to look in front of you first – and take your eyes off it because you see people are coming to you as you're going to them. So at least he's taking the punts. KD did not field punts last week, and they lost almost 60 yards of field position because he's just letting them bounce all the time. So last thing kind of on Luther, and then we're, we're going to move on to questions and comments and all that and get to writing after that. But tell me what you think of this. Um, there are some guys that just have to be handled differently. Right. I mean, it's the Jordan rules. Not every player is treated exactly the same. So I think maybe the first couple of weeks, there was a little bit of Eli Drinkwitz being a, a college football coach thinking, hey, the normal thing is a kid comes in, 
and he's a freshman and he has a lot of expectation and I don't want to overload him and I don't want to put too much on his plate and I don't want to do these things that are that are going to make the fans you know feel feel a certain way but Eli let's be honest man he's been a head coach for four years and he's never had a guy like Luther this this kid's a little bit it's okay to give him 15 touches in week one it's okay to put him back on punt return in week one and look He's never given up that job now. He's going to be Missouri's punt returner as long as he's healthy, as long as he's here, because that's what happens when you do what he did with the first one. So I, I understand being upset that it took a couple weeks to do it, and I think if he was honest about it, Eli Drinkwitz would admit it was a mistake. But the move's made now, and it ain't going to change back. I think it's like, yeah, he's a freshman, so we don't want to overload him. But at the same time, what happens with that is – now it's expectations not that that matters too much but now it's just like so what's what's going on here why is there something wrong with him is there something he can't do is there something in practice that you're not seeing that we thought we saw in the highlights or in high school and stuff like that so you know that's part of the problem and him being a freshman you know the young guys maybe got to sit behind the older guys or whatever it may be but like sometimes that's like you know two-edged sword. You know he's a freshman; he shouldn't get that many looks. But at the same time, it's not any ordinary freshman. So right. he's gonna. And Drink said this. I don't know if it was Tuesday or last week after the K-State loss. He's gonna have to balance this particular freshman and how he uses him and when he uses him. <clears throat> yeah, I've I've watched this team play. I'd give the ball to Luther Burden and Dominic Lovett as many times as you possibly can because I, I think they're your your two best players on offense. And and look, if if one of them comes over and says, "Yo, I'm tired. I need a break." Cool, take them out. Um, but but I got no issue giving those guys the bulk of the carries on offense. Uh, once again, this is the five seven three T's post game report brought to you by five seven three shop in person downtown in Columbia or shop online at 573TEES.com. They're great partners of ours. Just had a, a post on the message board yesterday. Somebody went in on Friday and, and got hooked up with some great stuff. Uh, they love to, Mickey loves to talk about, you know, Mizzou football. Um, he's a huge Mizzou fan. You guys can go in and, and chop it up with him and, and place your order. Uh, he, will, he will absolutely take care of you. Excellent small business in Columbia, but do want to get to your guys' questions. And so that's what we'll spend the next 15, 20 minutes doing before we uh, before we jump off and do the post-game coverage. Tyler says, does any part of this team look better through three weeks than it did through week one? Or do we even look better as a team than we did the last two years? So I think that's a fair question. Has there been improvement during the season in this team, do you think? Improvement? It was Well, their week one defense was really good. So it's hard to say improvement because they forced three first-half turnovers. They just they wrecked the game. But I will say the secondary, their consistency. At first, after that first game, I was like, oh, maybe the defensive line is it. And then they had a stinker last week. The defensive – I mean, the, the secondary, to me, is the most consistent group on defense and they're not getting targeted by you know teams who are going to target them or you know having the talent that could target them like you know the sec teams will but they're still doing their job it's still their job to limit whatever that is because we could say that about the offensive line you know they're not playing the same level of talent most of the time but they're still struggling so right. they're doing what they should be doing yeah that's fair i, I want to <laughs> hold off on the whether we've seen improvement until next week because in my opinion, the last impression I have of this team is still 40 to 12 in Manhattan. Like, I just, I, I'm not going to tell you that Dominic Lovett's a thousand yard receiver based on today. 
I'm not going to tell you that Brady Cooks figured it out based on today because I, I just don't I, – I, 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 there's not enough out of, out of the opponent for me to say that. So uh, so I'm honestly – I'm going to hold off on that. Um, ben Broderson says, thoughts on Abraham going in to hand the ball off rather than seeing what Macon or Horn could do in a two-minute drill. I mean, look, at that point, you're just trying to close it out, get the game over. Um so I don't have any problem with Jack Abraham being the guy that went in for the last drive. My issue is that Missouri was not in a position to get a look at more of the backups than it was. I mean, it is a, I, I think, I, I don't know what the right word is, but it's really, this is the game you expect to play everybody. And you didn't get to play everybody because it was 34-17 with six minutes or 31-17 or something with six minutes left. And, that's tough, man. This is this is supposed to be a chance to get a look at everybody on the roster, and now you didn't do it. Yeah, that's what I said in the preview. If if not everybody, if everybody doesn't get to play, especially Sam Horn and those guys, they don't get to play. Either the game is too close, or you feel like, or Drink feels like the starters need to be in there longer because they need to just they need all the time they can get going into conference play. Yeah. Uh, and and look, I get it. Those guys need reps, but but it, again, the goal should have been, hey, it's forty-five-seven with eight minutes left in the third, and we do get Tyler Macon for a couple drives, and we do get Sam Horn for a couple drives, and and we get to see what happens. And and again, that that simply didn't happen. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Philip wants to know: Is it Marcus Johnson who is to blame for a bad O line? I mean. I don't know. Most people thought the over, the O line overachieved last year. I think it's talent. Like, I, I I don't think it's that Marcus Johnson doesn't. He's he's turned out NFL linemen. He's coached all over the SEC. I think he understands what to do. I just don't think he's working with enough guys up front. He's he's not. And uh, someone said, uh, you know, towards the end of the game where it was out of hand, and we've seen a couple substitutions about like. Maybe we'll see the offensive line come out. And I made the comment, like, are we sure the second or third string offensive line isn't already starting? And that's not even to be disrespectful. Like, honestly, they're playing like that. Now, Xavier Delgado wasn't playing today. But even then, when you add in who was in there, it's like, is this a power five offensive line, the starters? Right. Right. Yeah. And I think I don't remember if I said it to you or it might have been somebody else. I said, look, if the offensive line doesn't look good today, I'm not going to allow, well, they were missing Xavier Delgado for the reason, right? And I know that's not what you were saying, but like, yeah. come on, Xavier Delgado to Luke Griffin, I don't think the drop-off's that big. And that's the problem. The drop-off's not that big. Right. Uh, DK1979 says, I've never seen the tight ends use so little in the passing game. I think he targeted Kibet Chepitor once in the end zone. It was double coverage, but pretty nice throw. Almost a really nice catch, but he didn't make it, but Look, to me, that's the weakest position on the roster. I don't think it's even close. It's not even it's not even close. It, they're just getting their cardio in. And that's that's bad. And what that does is it limits the offense though. Because the tight ends are usually the safety blankets for quarterbacks, especially the ones starting for the first time. And the fact that they're not even used in the past game is not a great sign. Yeah. Um <laughs> JML KLF brings up a good point. Even Harrison Miva struggled today. Uh First, first time in his career he's missed two kicks in a game. The 52-yarder, whatever. Little surprising when he misses the 39-yarder. Um, that's not something you expect to see. I thought it was actually a good move by Drinkwitz to trot him out for another 51-yarder, which he made. And 
I don't think Mevis is a kid who's going to struggle with confidence, but I think it's good for him to end on a high note today. Yeah, I mean, last week he was he was he was the saving grace in somewhat like he was the only positive it felt like for the team. So I I don't know. It, it makes sense that he he messed up today, quote unquote. But he'll be fine. Hey, you brought up something in the in the post game press conference that I kind of had forgotten about too. I mean. He made a switch at punter uh, midway through this game. Jack Stonehouse was out there a little bit. Uh, look, Sean Ketting's been a, a great kid, soldier of the program, kid, around, local kid. Uh, Missouri's punting hadn't been very good for two and a half weeks, so I'm on board with with giving somebody else a look there. Yeah, I, I think the job is lost. I think it's lost. And when he shanked that punt, I can't remember what punt it was, but whoever watched the New York Jets or saw the Jets highlight of that kicker shanking the punt, that's exactly how it looked from the press box. We didn't – so many people were saying, where did the punt go? And then yep. you realized it was like, what, 20-yard punt or 30-yard punt or something like that. Uh, Dustin Ludy says, coming out of training camp pretty well, understood that Drink legitimately liked this team. How can he have miscalculated so badly? I was talking about this with somebody yesterday, and this is why coaches don't often say things, right? Because when they do say things – it kind of paints them into a corner. I mean, I think I, everybody's optimistic in in August, right? But when you're as outwardly optimistic as Drinkwitz was, it sex, sets an expectation level. And that expectation level has not been met. When he says, this is my deepest team, I, everybody wants to be here. This is the best I've felt about a team. And then through three weeks, the best thing you can say is, hey, man, they made Louisiana Tech look pretty bad. I, I get why people are down right now. I, I do. I do think for especially just because how drink personality is, I mean, if he says something, he's wrong. If he doesn't say something, he's wrong. So if he wasn't boosting up the team beforehand, people would have been asking questions anyway. But yeah, um, I mean, look, I think it's I remember at the postgame press conference for uh, the Louisiana Tech game, Eli Drinkwood said, if we come out with this effort next week in Manhattan, it's going to be a long day. And they came out with a worse effort. He was right. It was a long day. I think you definitely say the same thing today, right? If if this is how they play at Auburn next week, there's no way this is good. Nah. It, it, first off, continuously on offense, their slow starts. It's slow start after slow start after slow start. This is three games in a row where they have these slow starts. And I think with LA Tech, where La Tech, they had like a pick six or something to get them points on the board first before the offense got going. Punt return for a touchdown today. Like, it's good that they have defensive special teams, but they've got to be able to create stuff on their own. It can't always start after halftime or going into half where they start doing something. That's going to be too late in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, ben wants to know if it now makes sense why we didn't get to see anything of substance in fall camp. No, we just, that's just how they operate. I mean, <laughs> we it, they could be the number one team in the country. We weren't going to get yeah, to see I was going to say, if camp. they were Alabama or Georgia, it'd still be 20 minutes and you can't see nothing. <laughs> 100%. Um, Auburn, Auburn hosts Penn State tonight. So what's better for Missouri? If Auburn gets just railroaded in that game and comes in – with some doubts and all that, or if Auburn wins that game and comes in feeling pretty good about itself? I think both are bad for Missouri, but I think <laughs> obviously they want the loss because you may be able to play off of that. It would have been better if if Missouri had a somewhat more credible one. Even if today was the La Tech game, 
because you can't take that much away from this win. So uh, they're just going to have to hope that Auburn gets beaten up badly. I think maybe the worst-case scenario is a close game with Auburn and Penn State. And even if Auburn loses, like Penn State's a, a team they people expect them to play for uh, – what's it? What's the what's the New Year's Six Bowl? There we go. Yeah, it's apparently 14-6 Penn State right now. I think that's an afternoon game. But, look, I, I think it's best for Missouri if Auburn wins that game because Auburn going to feel pretty good about itself. They're going to come in next week on eh, Missouri. You know, we got somebody better than this next week. Maybe they overlook you a little bit. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now, and I'll say it again later this week. I do not think next week is like just mark it down as a loss. I, I – Weird things happen in college football. I, I think Missouri can be better than it has been. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm going to pick them to win that game, but this is this is the one we pointed to, and this is kind of what I'm writing. Right, we're through the three, we're through the first three, and we're now at the point where this is where we find out what Missouri is, and if Missouri is going to be anything close to what most people wanted to, this one needs to be a win, and you need to be sitting three and one. I, I mean, that's. That's where we're at in this season, and this is always the week we thought we were going to find out about Missouri. And hey, I guess it—I guess it still probably is. Yeah, I mean, it's just being two and two heading into a game hosting Georgia. I mean, you're marking that one as a loss, so they have right. To- that, no, that's what I'm saying. If they lose this Auburn game, hey, we know what they are. Probably not going bowling. If yeah. they win this Auburn game, and that's why, again, I'm not picking them to win. I'm just saying. I mean, part of what I wrote in the column is you don't get to deliver the verdict before all the evidence has been presented. We've only seen a quarter of the evidence. Let's at least see some more evidence before we write the eulogy on this season, right? Uh, fair? That's, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we're at. Um, look, we'll have have the post game stuff. Uh, I told you a little bit about what I'm writing, Gerard. Give give them kind of an idea of what you're hitting on in, in your post game, and then we'll uh, we'll sign off and get to it. Talk a little, a little bit about Dom Lovett and his performance today. Obviously, a little bit about Luther. Uh, we're going to talk about this offensive line. Maybe sprinkle in something about this defensive line because while it, they forced what, three of thirteen for Abilene Christian on third downs, no sacks. Two tackles for loss by Tyron Hopper. The defensive line is it's struggling to me. Like they're not yeah. really creating any type of pressure of, of, of you know any substance. Trey John Jeffcoat was the only defensive yeah, lineman he, I noticed all day, and it was only like once or twice. Yeah, it's we had a lot of hope early on, and again, the further we get from the La Tech game, the more it just seems like La Tech was just that bad. More so than that defensive line is that great because. At one point, maybe after the first quarter or halftime, uh, Abilene Christian was averaging five or six yards per carry. And yeah, not great. Really so. Not great. Wait. All right, well, Gerard, appreciate it, man. We're going to let you go get to uh, writing. I'm going to finish up paying some bills here, and then uh, we'll, we'll catch up later on. So, Gerard Hamilton, we're going to going to let him roll. I just want to uh, tell you guys one more time, 573-TES, 573-TES.com is where you go to get any. They just released a new uh, T-shirt last night. They can do literally anything. You can DM them on Twitter. You can call them, whatever, and just say, hey, here's what I want on a T-shirt. They can figure it out for you. They can do bulk orders, solo orders, whatever you want. If you guys are on here watching with us live, we have 150 on most of the day. Appreciate that. Uh, before you log off, hit the like button. 
on the show, subscribe to the channel, do all the things that make us more visible. If you're listening on the podcast, maybe, which I'll put together after this, just leave a nice review, say good things, share what we're doing on social media. We do this after every single game. We will do it next week from uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, Saturday afternoon after Mizzou plays Auburn. Gerard and I are both headed down to Atlanta Friday night to cover that one. So uh, plenty of stuff coming. I've got a column. Gerard's got a notebook. We'll have 10 thoughts and uh you know, the, the grade card and all the stuff we have after every game. Once again, Missouri, a 34-17 winner over Abilene Christian in a game that happened. It's over. Thank goodness. Now we can move on to the real ones. Talk to you guys later.